0: Like Pastor Kelly said, we're in uh, week two of our series Remodel. If anybody was here last week, Pastor Amanda, she did a brilliant job. Give it up for Pastor Amanda, wherever she's at. They, she did a brilliant job. She did a brilliant job of talking to us about the hearing the voice of God. But in this series Remodel, we're trying to uh, take common fallacies, uh, misconceptions, or beliefs... And really try to redefine what God wants in these areas of our lives. See, last week, Pastor Amanda talked about Samuel and hearing the voice of God. Not just hearing, but discern. Because, you know, Samuel at first didn't know it was the voice of God. But about discerning the voice of God. And Pastor Amanda also, she uh, gave her defin- definition of the Holy Spirit as our helper. It's a good definition. Our God conscience. That voice that steers us. Our moral compass. Does that make sense? And he will guide us if we just choose to listen. Now, today, I'm going to tackle a, it might seem like an abstract topic, the timing of God. Like, the timing of God. And I hope by the end of our time here together, we'll have a firm grasp on what I mean by the timing of God. That song uh, we just did, and give it up for the band. Man, I'm sure every time I speak, Bobby's like, dear God, what's he going to ask me to play this time? And we did a musical song. That's so fun. But that song was from the musical Hamilton. Anybody seen Hamilton? Seven people have seen Hamilton. Seven people. Well, those seven people, if anybody has been to my house at all, they know we watch this musical every day. I really used to love it. Now I cringe when I hear it. Matter of fact, our son, Kai, he's one years old. It's the only thing he'll watch at all. And he'll sit there and he'll do his Pastor Kelly and that's the only thing he'll watch but that song right there that song really started to I don't know it just grabbed my attention for some reason it has some profound lyrics anyway but I couldn't really figure out and Tiffany's like my wife if you don't know her she's like well that's kind of our story isn't it Casey of me having to wait for you that first verse I really kind of changed it a little bit but it's, the gist is, I was having to wait on you and drown out what everybody else was saying and know if I was really hearing the voice of God. Was I? And that second verse, he talks about, and that was kind of me, the legacy of my family. And what does that mean for me? And I think that can drown out a lot of things sometimes if we don't focus and try to listen to the voice of God and wait for Him. And wait for Him. As Pastor Amanda pointed out last week, God speaks to people through numerous different ways. Not just through Pastor Kelly... Pastor Ben, Jensen Franklin, Stephen Furtick, whoever your favorite is, God would like to speak to you individually. So that's the way he planned on it. It's to speak to you every day on an individual basis. To really know who you are and for you to know who he is. You know, we can get up here and tell you who we think he is, but until you experience it for yourself, you're just hearing words. You're just hearing words. So God likes to speak to me, like Pastor Kelly said, and I think all the good ones are wired up like this, through music, movies, shows, even sports. that's my personality type. For a carpenter, he might speak to you through a blueprint. I don't know, that's not my thing. But God speaks to us how He created us, individually. Y'all agree with that? So when I was listening to this song, I started really thinking about, what does it mean to wait for God? What does it mean to wait on him? So God took me kind of to the story of Abraham. And we're just going to call him Abe today because we're going to go through his life where he is Abram to Abraham. I'm just going to call him Abe so I don't get confused. So we're going to start in Genesis 15. Can you bring it up on the Sky Bible? Tell me when it's up there. It's up there? All right, Genesis 15. After all these things, this word of God came to Abe in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield. Your reward will be grand. Abe said, God, Master, what use are your gifts as long as I'm childless and Eleazar of Damascus is going to inherit everything? Abraham continued, See, you've given me no children, and now a mere house servant is going to get it all. Then God's message came. Don't worry, he won't be your heir. A son from your body will be your heir. Then he took him outside and said, "Look at the sky. Count the stars. Can, can you do that? Count your descendants. You're going to have a big family." And he believed, believed God, and God declared him set right with God. My first point I want to go to this morning is God's timing requires your involvement. God's timing requires your involvement. See, Abraham thought that, you know, what God was going to do was not going to be through him. Back in those times when he's talking about Eleazar. That's his main servant. And Abraham had no heirs. And he's like, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's not even going to be through me. But God said, no, a son from your body will be your heir. So Abe had to quite literally be involved. He had to participate. He had to cooperate with God. You know, I'm not sure what Sarah or Abe look like, but this should be something the husband and wife get to do. Hey, we got to be involved to do the things required to make a baby, right? I'm not sure what they look like, but this should be fun if you're married. (laughs) Right? You have to be involved. You have to be involved with what God wants you to do. See, growing up in church, I heard stuff like this, and you might have heard it. You've probably seen it on bumper stickers or shirts, all these little sayings. They're cliche sayings. Um, I heard things like this. It must not have been in God's time. You ever heard that? Trust His timing. In our waiting, God is working. Or I'm just waiting. I'm just in the waiting season. I'll stay right here until God tells me to move. Or here's a good one. God's timing is perfect. You ever heard any of those? See, all these are, have some truth to them. But truthfully, a lot of times we want, what we want God to do is to wave His spiritual wand and do the work for us. We don't want to be involved in the process. See, what I want to do today... Is to discover what God's timing means. And a lot of times we think about time in chronological order, right? The, the numbers on a clock. Well, the kind of definition I want to give you today is in the musical variety, all right? Timing in music refers to this, the ability to keep time accurately and to synchronize to an ensemble. Let me say it again. Timing in music refers to the ability to keep time accurately and to synchronize to an ensemble. So, if I, I'm in East Tennessee, right? So if I if I sung this in East Tennessee, y'all would know what to respond. Well, Mama told me y'all are see you're getting my definition. If you get out of time in music, it's all off. But y'all know what I'm talking When I talk about musical timing, it all depends. I'm a drummer, so whenever I started playing drums again, there's a click track in your ears. And if you get off that, it throws everything off. It'll throw the band off. It'll throw everything off. So that's the kind of timing I want to talk about today. It's musical timing. And I think that's the way God is. I think we need to view Him as a composer. As a master composer. He's wrote sheet music for our lives. But anything we do, any way we alter that sheet music, can drastically throw the piece off. Can drastically throw it off. See, in music... Um, it's not just dependent on the composer, is it? It's dependent on everybody else. He could have wrote the best sheet music in the world, and I believe he did for each individual here. I believe he wrote the best music possible for your life. But it's our choice to try to alter that, to not listen, to not be involved in the process. That's our choice. And our choice is what we do or don't do can drastically, drastically alter what the Creator has composed for your life. In other words... Waiting for God does not mean doing nothing. Yes. Waiting for God does not mean doing nothing. You know, I'll see some people sometimes over the years, it's like, man, I really need a job. I'm like, cool, you know, Walmart's hiring. Oh, I don't really want that job. Well, somebody's uh, doing block work down the road for $12. No, I don't really want that job. So what you're telling me is, I, I, don't re- I want the best possible position without any experience whatsoever. You're not willing to, hey, maybe God's putting you in this $12 an hour position for you to get spiritual connection right here so he can shift you to another position in your life. Maybe if you would get involved in the process, God might start working some things out for your life. He's not going to say, hey, I would like to be an astronaut, God. Okay, here you go. No process. You don't have to be involved at all, Casey. That's another way God works. You've heard of a guy named Noah. Noah built an ark, right? Noah built an ark because God told him it was going to rain. Now, theologians are split over this, and I'm not a theologian, but as far as I can tell, it had never rained before. And if it had rained, it hadn't been like the deluge that God had forecasted to Noah. So Noah, instead of just griping and complaining, he starts building. He could have been like, I'm in the middle of the desert. You're telling me to build a boat? It's going to flood? What's a flood? I don't even know, God. God. But he starts building. He starts doing stuff. Hey, can you cut that for me 10 feet? Oh, cool, bring it over here. Can you do that? 40 years he does this. And he doesn't know what he's doing. He don't know what the outcome's going to be. But Noah worked, and he worked, and he worked until he couldn't do anything else, and then God provided the miracle. God provided the miracle. When Noah couldn't do anything else, when he didn't know where to go, he just know, hey, I'm done, God. I can't do, I'm at my limits in. God provided the miracle. See, my buddy Scott Shaw, I don't think he's here, but he likes to say this. You know, God can move a mountain, but most of the time he requires you to bring a shovel. God can move a mountain, if you didn't hear it. Most of the time he requires you to bring a shovel. He wants you to be involved. This brings us to the next part of old Abe's story. Genesis 16. This is a lengthy bit of scripture, so just hang with me. Sarai, Abram's wife, hadn't yet produced a child. She had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. First of all, stupid. Very stupid. <laughs> so Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, took her Egyptian maid Hagar and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. Abram had been living ten years in Canaan when this took place. He slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. All right, so you're getting a gist. Um, Abraham slept with somebody else because his wife told him to, but also he was very implicit in this uh, situation also. He could have said, no, that's a horrible idea. He's like, sure, well, that sounds great. All right? So Sarah was abusive. Hagar ran away. We're going to pick up in the Scripture where the angel goes to find uh, Hagar under a tree. He says, um, Hagar, maid of Sarai, what are you doing here? She said, I'm running away from Sarai, my mistress. The angel of God said, go back to your mistress, put up with her abuse. And he continued, I'm going to give you a big family, children past counting. From this pr- pregnancy, you'll get a son. Name him Ishmael. For God heard you, God answered you. He'll be a bucking and bronco of a man, a real fighter, fighting and being fought, always th- stirring always up trouble, always at odds with his family. This is the part I want to focus on is up here, is where they totally try to do something other than what God had told them. This brings me to my next point. Waiting on God requires your obedience. Waiting on God requires your involvement, and it requires your obedience. See, the timing of God requires all this. A, a question I want to pose to you is, why do you think that Abraham and Sarah tried to speed up God's timeline? I mean, I think it's because we're all guilty of it at some point. We think we can write a better piece of music than the master can. We think we can get there quicker. We think we, we, if we can just do it ourselves, then it'll work out better. We don't want to see the long game. We want the short game. We don't want to obey God in those small moments. See, Abraham and Sarah were both complicit in this. They both disobeyed what God ultimately wanted for their lives, and they tried to speed up God's timeline. You see this with girls or guys all the time. they are like, I'm just trying to find Mr. Right. I'm just trying to find... After seven or eight guys or seven, eight girls, she must have not been in. He must have not been in. No, I think the common denominator in this situation is you. I think what God's probably telling you is you don't need a relationship with physically. You need a relationship with Him, and He'll steer you towards that person. I think that's what God's trying to tell you. See, a lot of times, we don't want to obey. We want to do it our own way, And we want to try to take a shortcut. We want the promise without the pain, patience, and persistence it takes. We want the promise without the pain, patience, and persistence it takes. In other words, we want to be parents without the pregnancy. We want to be parents without the pregnancy. Now, there's some women here. We got Pastor Amanda. Lydia's not here. Um, Jill, my wife's had four kids. Any woman here knows... There's times that where they would rather skip those nine months, right? But there's some developmental processes going on in those nine months. There's lungs being developed. There's a heart being developed, little fingers, little toes. I know when you're going through that process of getting to see ultrasounds and getting to see all these different things form, it's miraculous. If we just took the shortcut, we wouldn't have the experience to deal with what God has for us. See, God has something for for our lives, and sometimes we truly have to wait for it. We truly have to wait for it. Now, remember this cliche saying God's timing is perfect. That's absolutely true. Y'all believe that? But here's the deal. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. Humans are not perfect. We are fallible. We're arrogant, which can lead to us being cocky and disobedient. That's That's just the truth. Another story comes to my mind, and I'll quickly paraphrase this, is the story of Jonah. If you hadn't heard the story of Jonah, God appears to Jonah and tells him to go to Nineveh and pretty much have a tent revival. He's like, and what you've got to understand is Nineveh in these times, they were fierce rivals. But God wants him to go there and do a, a, mission, a missionary thing. But Jonah's like, no, I'm not doing that, God. I can do it my own way. I'm gone. He gets on a boat. God sends a big storm, right? The people on the boat became fearful. And they're like, what is going on? It must have been supernatural or they would have been, wouldn't would have been this scared. And they're like, what's going on? And they figure out the problem's Jonah, so they throw him off the boat, right? A big fish swallows up Jonah, and there it goes. Uh, Jonah decides, okay, God, do what you want to with me. The fish fits him out. Now... Most of the time, uh, humans love to have monsters in our stories, right? We love to have a villain. we got to have villains or a monster. So if you were reading this story, you would think the monster in this story is the big fish. Actually, the monster in this story is Jonah's disobedience. The monster in this story is Jonah's disobedience. Disobedience can offset God's timeline with devastating consequences. Our free will is one of our greatest gifts. But it can have disastrous effects on us and everyone around us when we disobey. I know this for a fact. See, when Jonah disobeyed, not only did he endanger himself, but everybody on the boat. He didn't just mess his life almost. He messed up everybody's life on the boat almost. His disobedience could cause a ripple effect that could have crushed other people. See, Pastor Amanda talked about learning to hear the voice of God last week. But what's next in that process is starting to listen to the voice of God. Because I think we hear the voice of God more times than we don't, than we say. We just don't want to listen to it. We hear it all the time. We hear that voice speaking to us. We just don't want to listen. See, when I was running from God, my disobedience didn't just affect me. It sent shockwaves through my family. Shockwaves. It affected my mom's health. You know, not only did she have to deal with my dad just dying, she had to deal with an idiot son running around robbing people, wondering if he's going to get shot or OD or something. My disobedience caused that. It probably weighed super heavy on my dad's heart before he died. Tiffany and the girls were left trying to wait on God and praying that I would find a rhythm. These are just a few of the lives that were affected by my disobedience. See, Abraham's disobedience didn't just affect him. It didn't just affect him. If you, know who, um, uh, if you know who the Hatfields and McCoys are, when Ishmael was born and then Isaac, it started a feud like no other. It's the Hatfield the McCoys on acid and steroids. Alright? The Muslims and the Jews have been fighting ever since. Abraham's disobedience, we're still feeling the ripple effects of that today. We're still feeling that. It's, so, God's timing, what have we got? God's timing requires what? Number one is what? Our involvement. God's timing what? Number two is... And number three, they got it up there. God's timing requires our trust. Our trust through everything. See, Abraham and Sarah have been through a lot at this time. A lot. They've, they chose to not obey God. They didn't want to be involved at first. But do you think through this journey that they started to get it, that they started to trust God? Read the Genesis 22 story with me. After all this, God tested Abraham. God said, Abraham, yes, answered Abraham. I'm listening. He started to listen to the voice of God. He said, take your dear son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I'll point out to you. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled a donkey. He took two of his young servants and his son Isaac. He had split wood for the burnt offering. He set out for the place God had directed him. On the third day, he looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham told his two young servants, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then we'll be back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and gave it to his son Isaac to carry. He carried the flint and the knife. The two of them went off together. Isaac said to Abraham, Father, yes, my son, we have flint and wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Abe said, Son, God will see to it that there's a sheep for the burnt offering. And they kept walking. They arrived at the place to which God had directed him. Abraham built an altar. He laid out the wood. Then he tied up Isaac and laid him on the wood. Abraham reached out and took the knife to kill his son. Then an angel stopped him. said, Abraham, yes, I'm listening. Once again, he hears the voice of God. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. You didn't hesitate to place your son, your dear son, on that altar for me. Abe looked up. He saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Abe took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. We heard that story many times growing up. I I did. But notice what Abraham told his servants. The boy and I are going over there to worship. Then we will be back. He didn't say, I'll be back. Abraham said, the boy and I, both of us will be back. Do you think Abraham had established a level of trust with his father? Knowing. He said, I don't know what you've got in plan, God. I don't know what musical piece you have for me, but I do trust you, and I know what you promised me. You promised I'd be the father of many nations, and I'm just going to do what you tell me to. I'm going to be involved, I'm going to be obedient, and I'm going to trust that the, the, the masterpiece you've created is for me. See, he had, he had seen the devastation and irreparable damage that your disobedience can cause. He had seen all that. But here's what's cool. Is not only did Abraham trust God, Isaac did. Isaac trusted trusted God. Now here's what's cool is that when I grew up, who all thought Isaac was just a little boy when you heard that story as a kid? You just thought he was a little dude. Like, hey, Abraham took Isaac and he couldn't have did anything if he wanted to. Well, most rabbinical scholars and theologians think Isaac could have been as old as 36. And he was no younger than 24. This means Isaac was fully aware of what was going on. He was walking up a hill, and he was fully aware aware of what was going on. That means not only did Abraham trust God, he cultivated a culture of trust in his own family. Abraham served God. His family seen that. And here's what I think is cool, and it about blew my mind when I was reading it at home, and I found this out. You know, I knew this story right here was like a, a... foreshadowing of Jesus coming back, and or Jesus dying on a cross. But here's what's cool when you start thinking about these little points. I like to think, they said that Isaac was in his 30s. I like to think that he was about 33. You know who else was 33? They said Isaac carried the wood up the hill to be sacrificed. You know who else carried a cross of wood up a hill to be sacrificed? Jesus, man, when I started making these connections, I'm sitting at home going, holy crap, I call, I'm telling my wife, I'm like, whoa. She's like, you got to not?" she says my, my tick when I'm speaking is I go, like when I'm making a point, I'm like, I don't do that. She's like, yes, you do. And I, I'm like, no, I don't. So Isaac was fully aware. But they trusted the Father. Abraham trusted his Father. Isaac trusted his Father. And then uh, thousands of years later, I think Jesus would trust his Father. This is about trust. We can't do this without our involvement, our obedience, and our trust. That's what God's timing is all about. If we get out of sync with the master creator, the master Composer, then it throws everything out of whack. See, they were involved. Abraham chopped the wood. Isaac carried it. They were obedient. Abraham took his only son to be fight, sacrificed, and Isaac was willing. And they trusted God. No matter the outcome, whatever God had composed for their life, they were going to be in rhythm. No matter how hard, no matter how much they got off, they were going to be in rhythm. That's it. Hey, Ben, can you come up? There's one last story I would like, for, like to tell you. is um, a story of me, and some of you heard it. But it has to do kind of with the timing of God. Um, see, I had been to prison already. I got out on parole, screwed up again, got out of sync with God again, went back to jail. At this point, Tiffany is pregnant with Kenley. And uh, i wondering if I'm ever going to get it right. Matter of fact, she hates me. Well, I had an experience with God in jail. Some might call it jailhouse religion. I called it a jailhouse relationship. That's what finally started. When I went there that time, as a real relationship started with the Creator. So I'm sp- she's supposed to have Kenley in, uh, in November, and I'm supposed to get out in September. So September 15th rolls around. I call Kelly September 14th. I'm like, hey, dude, come pick me up tomorrow. It's like, all right, cool. Well, I get them to run the time again, and when they run the time, the jail administrator says, uh, says you don't get out until September 23rd, 2021. That's this year. It ain't even got there yet. This is 2017. So I'm like, man, that's thing. my wife is of course she's shook. My mom is obsessed. If you know her, she's calling everybody, trying to. Hey, can you do something for Casey? Uh, no, he's in jail. You know, I can't come get him. But I did something different. You know, before in my walk with God, when I got out of sync, even the decisions I made, I blamed on God. Oh, you know what? I don't matter. You know what, God? I I knew something bad would happen. But then in this time, I started really praying. I started really developing a relationship with God. I started really asking Tiff to pray with me, my brothers to pray with me. I started developing that relationship. I started getting in sync with the master's time for the first time in my life. You know, it had been superficial my whole life. I came down to the altar because my parents wanted me to or my brothers wanted me to. And I thought that was just what I was supposed to do, but I didn't want it for myself. But this time, man, I got to experience a relationship. Got to experience a relationship. And, and I would like to tell you that a big, big-time miracle happened, that God just pulled me out of that situation. I, got, I was at home when Kenley was born. That's not the way it happened. See, my time did get reduced, but I ended up spending nine months in there. Way better than four years. Way better than four years. And I was on a podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, Ben listened to it, and he texted me, and he's like, dude, you were in there nine months. He said, it's like God was birthing a new person. whenever you You was in there for that waiting period of nine months. That God just birthed a new person when you came out. And not only that... We have a one year old Kai. He wouldn't even be here if I wouldn't have obeyed, if I wouldn't have got involved, if I wouldn't have trusted God finally. I wouldn't even be out to speak to you right now if I wouldn't have got involved in the process. And and then, so I get out January 30th. Kenley's uh, two months old. And I asked my daughters, the oldest two daughters, if I could share this. But I got out in January, and then in March, their dad passed, their biological dad. And I'm thinking, man, it, this stinks, and I, it stinks for them, and I have no way to address that hurt. But what I do know is that since I started to obey God's timeline, to trust Him, that I was ready for that happen, what God was telling me is they're going to need a father here in about two months. And if you, get, if you get pulled out of jail right now, if you get out when you're supposed to, you're not going to know how to play the piece. It's way too advanced for you, son. If you'll just stick with me, I'll show you how to work this out. If you'll just stick with me, if you'll just trust me, I've got this under control. He knew that Kaylee and Chloe were going to need me. Not only my wife, not only our two young children, But they were going to need me. And I'll tell you what, right now, those two girls right there, they couldn't be more mine. I would beat somebody down for them. Remember that young man in this church. I will pull the prison card out on you. It'll be like Will Smith and Bad Boys showing up at the door with a St. Ives bottle. But God knew what I needed. If we'll just wait... On God. That's what I mean by waiting. You know, it gets really abstract when we start thinking about, well, why did this happen? Or why didn't this happen? But I think it has a lot more to do with where are we at? Are we obeying God? Are we trusting God? Are we doing the things we're supposed to? Are we in sync? Now, granted, there's some tragic things that happen in life that we just can't forecast. And it was not any of our fault at all. But a lot of times it comes down to us just not being in sync with our Father, with the Creator. Does that make sense? Guys, I was, I was out of sync with my master composer for a long time. And there's a lot of people in here that was. For a long time. Trying to get it right. Or not trying to get it right. But God has a way of restoring what the devil tried to take from you. God has a way of, man, you know what? You didn't get it on plan A, B, C, D. Uh, It's going to take plan F, but hey, guess what? I have a peace rope for that right there. And it involves the miracles I can work out in your life when you start listening to the voice of God. So I want to challenge you this morning. Maybe you've just got out of sync. Maybe you've just got out of sync with God. And you just need to step back in. Hey, I'm not... God, I feel like I need to be doing something else, or I feel like I might have missed something. Maybe I haven't been involved. Maybe I was supposed to be obedient in this place right here. And you just got out of sync. I'd ask you to raise your hand if you want God to try to get you back in His timing. And it's okay. You can raise your hand. Amen. Amen. And then I'm going to give a second one. If you, just, if you just screwed up enough, if you screwed your life up enough, or you think there's no way that I can ever get back in sync, and you'd like to, uh, God to create a new piece of music for your life that you can finally get in sync with, if that's you, you raise your hand. Anybody? Amen. Amen. If y'all don't care to stand with me, we'll bow our heads.